our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. Today is Monday, which means we're bringing you Sticky Money Mondays, a weekly advice column where you give us a sticky money situation you're in, whether your ex owes you money, your friend is asking you to fork out for their wedding, or your flatmate just keeps stealing your own milk. We are ready to give you our unsolicited, unfiltered advice. You are joined today by Retired Nice Girl Sim, and with me is expert mean friend Sonia, the friend who tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Let's get started. Sonia. This sticky money story is a difficult one just because I think we're going to be touching on something that can really polarize people. I think there are often two camps of people when it comes to a lot of things, but when it comes to children, these are like big camps. These are like those summer camps that you see in American shows and everything. So it's like Camp Rock. I love that when we were about to go into this, you were like, should we do some research? And I was like, no, like I want to hear your actual opinions. So we'll still hear the truth today and every day, but let's get into it. Dear Sam and Sonia, my Sticky Money Monday question is around the motherhood penalty. My husband and I are potentially thinking of having our first child in the next 12 to 18 months. Being a parent is overwhelming enough. Agreed. But I do worry about the money aspect as we both work full-time and contribute equally to our household. Our current situation is we're paying our mortgage off, we do save every month, and I invest, and we do have money for some luxuries such as nice meals and trips abroad. We earn around the same amount too. I'm worried about the reduced pay in maternity leave the cost of having a child, especially with the cost of living increasing currently. How would you prepare effectively for a big life event like this? I just feel like when it comes to parenting and when it comes to how people raise their kids and like preparing financially, I feel like it can be a sensitive subject because there's so many aspects to pregnancy and so many aspects to having a kid. I just want to put it out there that with my opinions, I am someone that does not have children and doesn't plan on being pregnant in the next few years. And in terms of like the kids question for me to be transparent, it is like a maybe at this stage. And I think that's important to know 
before I dive into like my opinions in terms of how you can prepare effectively. But that also says a lot to my overthinking because this person is literally just asking us like, how would you prepare effectively for a big life event like this? And it doesn't have to be kids or pregnancy and we can just give our two cents on that. So I think for me, I would sit down and I would plan it all in terms of like, this is what I want to do and then like work backwards and what that looks like. So if I was planning to have a baby, I would just look into the costs of what like pregnancy might look like for me and the country that I'm in. So for example, if I was pregnant in New Zealand, so lucky that majority of obstetrics is covered within the public system if you are a New Zealand resident or a citizen. So I don't have to worry about going to pay for scans or going to pay for doctor's consults or going to pay for like certain tests because that's actually all covered in our public system. If I needed anything extra, in terms of where things could go wrong maybe I could look at how insurance could help me if I did need to do that so those are things that I would look into already off the bat and then like any life decision I think research is always a good place to start so just talking to like maybe my friends who have been pregnant who have kids going to like the internet looking at or reading different books in terms of costs and what that might look like just so I can gather some solid data and maybe some num like approximate numbers and therefore I'm not just being like it's going to cost me a million dollars to have a kid which is probably not the case you know and you have to take things into account like can my family help can my friends help in terms of raising the baby looking after the baby can I what does my maternity leave look like at my job and what would they be comfortable with like do I have to pay for childcare? does my partner have like a family that we can utilize there are all these things that you have to look at to make that I guess decision and experience personal to you because your journey is going to look so different to someone else's journey. I think there's only so much you can plan when you are pregnant and have like children because there's so much that could, you know, touch wood, like not go wrong, but like just go differently than you expected it to. And so I would also prepare for like a buffer in terms of an emergency fund for my pregnancy, like a separate one. That's where I would start. I like that you have a very like off the bat, straightforward way of approaching it when it begins. Like the idea of like, okay, like these are what costs are. So I guess to our listeners, step one is work out your costs. I would say step two is then decide if that number, like let's say you decide that for the first five years of your life, you are going to reduce working or you're not working at all. What does that cost look like for your career? I would say that my next step after working out like my number, like in a very blunt way, am I going to have like a cheap pregnancy or am I going to like really splurge out on this kid if I can afford it? My next step would go, okay, well, this is how much baby's going to cost. Let's say like, I don't know, $20,000 for the first year besides like medical costs. My second step would be, okay, I'm taking the whole year off work. Me and my, let's say, partner make $100,000 each a year. Where's that $100,000 that I was meant to earn going to come from? 
And is my partner going to contribute for some of my lost income? I think what our listener is trying to say is she's worried about the reduced pay in maternity leave and the cost of having a child. Like, how do you deal with the reduction in one, your pay, and then the increased cost of having children? My like view on this is you, and let's just assume like the partner is in the picture because it is for her. You and your partner are a team and it's not like your child that you're raising and he or she gets to like reap the benefits of you taking time off. Like that's their responsibility too. Like baby is both of your responsibilities and to some degree your financial futures are also each other's responsibilities. Like that's how I view a partnership when you've got a child involved. So I don't think it's abnormal to sit down with your person and say hey look especially because she's married it's her husband hey look can you contribute to my retirement account because I'm not going to be having money so I'm not saying hey give me cold hard cash but for business owners every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card it's the culmination of your hard work dedication and commitment to your customers that's why i'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments introducing tap to pay on iphone powered by stripe contactless payments has never been easier you can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iphone and the best part there's no additional hardware required think about it from local pop-ups to global retailers tap to pay on iphone and stripe cater to businesses of all sizes empowering them to accept payments right from their iphones it's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes not days so how can tap to pay on iphone and stripe benefit your business it's simple increased revenue expanded reach and enhanced customer experience it's a win-win-win to learn more about how tap to pay on iphone and stripe can transform your business visit stripe.com slash tap iphone today can you make voluntary payments into my retirement account for the years that i'm not working because i'm raising our children would you do that yeah, I've actually never thought of it like that. I think that's a great way to do things, especially because it kind of offsets the potential disadvantages of you not working, right? Because you still get that contribution to your retirement in the future. I don't think people think about that. It's such an unusual conversation to have and I get it. Like how many times, how many couples in this world have sat down and said, hey, we're going to have a baby. Like, Let's decide on the color of the nursery. Let's go and like plan on what we're going to call it. Let's go tell like grandma and grandpa also pay me into my retirement fund. Like one of those is not like the rest. Do you know what I mean? So I get why it's not common, but I just am of the firm belief that you should be taken care of and compensated for the work that you do always, whether this is in the workforce, but also in your own home, like your partner gets to reap the benefits of having someone take care of like majority of child labor work that you do. So where's your compensation in that? I don't think everything life is, you know, transactional and that it's like a bad thing and that you're, you're a bad mum for asking of this. I think it's just like common sense to me. That's the way I see it. Do you think that there is like a magic number? for people that they can come to and be like, yep, I'm financially ready to have a kid now? Or does that number not exist? Someone might say, well, 
you can have a kid as long as you're not below the poverty line. But then does that mean you just don't have children because you're below the poverty line? Like, I think, I think it's a great area, but I don't think there's an actual number that you need to make to have children. She says they earn well, they eat well, they go on holidays abroad, they make equal amounts of money. So they're clearly well off enough to financially afford a child. It's just why is mum going to be penalized for it? Yeah, I think the main question that this listener is asking is how would you prepare effectively for a life event like this? And for me personally, that looks like planning and that looks like researching and that looks like trying to reign in the whelm when you make a decision like this because it's often an emotional one. And the fact that you're even thinking about your finances and like how you want your child's future to be, like that is so caring and that is so just heartwarming that you even seem to question like this because often people get swept away in the emotional side of things. They don't really think about the financial side of things until it's not a little bit too late, but until it's in their face. And yeah, so that would be my answer to that question in terms of just trying to make the experience personal to you and planning with your partner because that's what I think in terms of a partnership as well I think you're making these decisions together you're going to raise your child together it's not just your child and yeah having these open and vulnerable conversations with just how life might look I do agree with what you're saying I would possibly go into a little bit more detail as to how I would do that or make those like decisions. So one, like you said, research your number. What is it going to cost to raise a child, at least for the first year? Let's just make it easy. Let's just do one year. Let's say you say that number's $20,000. Then you look at, well, okay, this is how much extra money I'm spending this year. Then your second number is how much would I earn this year and how much is going to go into my retirement account this year that I'm going to now miss out on. That's your second number. And I would present these numbers with your partner and then say, okay, what are we going to do about this? And if they say nothing, like, you know, someone needs to be at home to raise baby, I would go as far as to say I would have a conversation with my partner around, well, I don't want to lose out financially because one day you might wake up, like you could love someone, but you might wake up and they might not, for X, Y, Z reason, want to be there with you. And it wouldn't be fair if you were left with nothing to look after yourself. I would go as far as to say that, if you're not comfortable with like compensating me, because fair enough, everyone's different, I would possibly want to go back to work and get a nanny. And like, let's look at how much nannies cost. Like, oh, now we're considering paying someone like $60,000 a year to take care of our kid. I'm happy to take care of baby, but like, I also need to be taken care of. Like, why should one person be paid for the labor of taking care of a child and not the other? I don't want to sound like I'm rambling and maybe that's not the kind of conversation you'd have with your partner. I just am so, so passionate about people not being taken advantage of and that we fall under this disguise of like a mother's love is free and a mother should always, you know, put her children first and who cares if like your career goes to shambles or your partner leaves you or X, Y, Z, your body like, you know, gets ruined. Oh, I don't know, like there's so many things you see people say about motherhood and so much guilt around women asking for money for their time and efforts but talk to him he might surprise you 
He might be like, actually, yeah, you're right. I never thought about it that way, but you're right. And he might say, no, you shouldn't be compensated. Like, that's silly. What kind of mother are you? Da, da, da. I think that's where it gets tricky. And I want to know what you would do if he said no. Honestly, I would probably go into it deeper. Like, I, I wouldn't just leave it as like a final no. And I hope it wouldn't be presented as like, no, as like the final decision, I would go deeper into the conversation and say, well, this is something that I really feel passionate about. And if that's how you feel, and at the end of the day, if you finish talking and it's still a no on his part, I would seriously reconsider the kid's situation because if that's how he is in terms of compensating you for your time when it comes to being a parent full-time and a stay-at-home mom and being on maternity leave, then I just would feel some type of way going into parenthood with this person. That is very interesting. I, I do agree with you. Another way that might help – we're just assuming he's saying no at this stage. Another thing that We might, love the drama. We love the drama. Another thing that might help is saying, well, you know, what if we switch around and would you mm. be okay with staying back and I would cover, you know, your retirement fund, but it does mean your career might be like shunned a little bit because you're out of the workforce for a year or two. And if they're like, no, that doesn't work for me. Like I want to still keep working. It's like, well, so do I, buddy. Like, you yeah. know, what do you want to do? I don't think there's a single way of saying or finding the perfect solution for this. And by all means, as Sonia mentioned at the start, we are two women that do not have children and are not married. So do take what we say with the biggest grain of salt, like a block of salt. I just think when we don't fall into those situations, we see it more black and white perhaps, mm -hmm. which isn't always a good thing, but it does mean there's no emotion involved. Yeah, I agree. I think that was easier to go through than I, than I realized. Really? Yeah. And I'm glad that we're in agreement too, because we've been pretty aligned with how we think and how we would respond so yay for sticky money mondays without any drama between sim and sonia if you have a sticky money situation that you would love us to give our unhinged unfiltered advice please dm us or send us a voice note at hello at girlsatinvest.com we'd love to hear from you we're always happy to help and we'll see you next week bye and as always to finish off with our disclaimer Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.